Happy Halloween, everybody. Whoopie. It's the Paul Lynn Halloween Special, starring Paul Lynn, with Paul's special guests, Tim Conway, Roz, Pinky, Tuscadero, Kelly, Margaret Hamilton, Billy Hayes, Billy Barty, special guest star, Florence Henderson, a special appearance by Betty White, and a rock and roll explosion, Kiss. And now, the Paul Lynn Halloween Special. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Welcome on into the Check Your Brain podcast. Yeah, we're, we're going silly today. We're going to learn a little bit about the great Paul Lind, who I guess comedian, comedic actor, had some trouble sides uh, that we've kind of heard a little bit about, uh, struggled with alcoholism, his sexuality, and more taboo days gone by. And uh, he's, uh, he's a guy that, He's always fascinated me because anytime he came on TV, anytime he was, whether it was Hollywood Squares or a guest appearance on a TV show or a special or he was Uncle Arthur and Bewitched, and it was just, it, it was, it, as soon as you looked at him, you wanted to start laughing. As soon as the voice came up, you were on the floor laughing, no matter what he was saying. So I got an opportunity a couple of years ago to connect with a woman named Kathy Rudolph, and Kathy is a... She wrote a book on Paul Lind, a, it's, and it's called Paul Lind, A Biography, His Life, His Loves, His Laughter. And it's a very, and we talk about it in the book, and I, I urge you to go, if you're a fan of Paul Lind's and old Hollywood, maybe not old, old Hollywood, but you, you like 60s and 70s type of Hollywood. It, it's definitely a must read because, and as we talk about in this, it's not necessarily... It's not one of those biographies that's just a puff piece, but it's also not tearing him down. It encompasses everything from, oh, yeah, here's all the great things he did. Oh, yeah, here he was a brutal alcoholic and said some rather some sometimes racist and anti-Semitic things. So that's all in that book. So I want you to go check it out. We had a good time talking about the upbringing of Paul Lind and just I hope I hope you appreciate this interview because uh, it's it, 45 years ago this week when I'm posting this is the Paul Lind Halloween special. Yes, the Paul Lind Halloween special with all the great guests that you just heard there, voiced by Ernie Anderson. Ernie Anderson, by the way, for about you Clevelanders, you people who know this, Ernie Anderson was Goulardi. Back in the 50s and 60s and into the 70s, you had your own local horror movie host and they would do some kind of goofy thing and you know you kind of saw that with uh, Count Floyd on SCTV it was a parody of that but there were a lot of uh, every town had their Sven Gulli type of person that would intro you'd have like kind of the silly guy would introduce the Three Stooges or the Laurel and Hardy shorts but the the horror movies and the you know the uh, those old films from the the 1930s the Bell Lugosi's and the Lon Chaney Juniors uh, that you had somebody who had a character and in, in Cleveland we had Goulardi which was Ernie Anderson well Ernie Anderson who's the father of Paul Thomas Anderson who I guess he has a new movie coming out and Boogie Nights and Magnolia and everything um 
he uh, he he had such a great voice. He moved out to Hollywood and ended up being the voice of ABC for like thirty years, and the Love Boat and all those other shows. And um, I think one of his last duties was doing America's Fu- America's Funniest Home Videos. And I-, I can't do his voice justice. But that was that guy that you heard at the beginning there with the introing of the Paul Lind Halloween special is Ernie Anderson. Just, just so you know, I like throwing those factoids out there. But we do a lot of factoids in this episode with Kathy Rudolph. So go check out her book if you if you can. Go check out the Paul Lynn Halloween special and anything else he was a part of. It's just hilarious to me. Um, and uh, and also, if you want to, if you're listening to this for free, go check out my Patreon. If you if you like a lot of this, I talk old Hollywood. I talk. I get political. I talk about anything on the on the podcast. There, it's on uh, it's on Patreon.com/slash Tony Mazur. T O N Y M A Z U R. It's the well, it's it's the Big Brother edition of the podcast that you're listening to if you're listening to this for free it's the check your brain podcast and i do about four to five episodes a week it's five dollars a month it's basically the cost of a paps blue ribbon at a bar (laughs) in fact i was out last night and had a couple of i had a beer that was eight dollars so that means that you could either get an eight dollar double ipa or you spend five dollars and get almost unlimited content for you okay maybe it's not unlimited but you could probably listen to a month's worth and yeah, maybe a day and a half, but it's good content. I hope you enjoy it, and you, you get to hear interviews and early access to interviews like this one with Kathy Rudolph. So I hope you enjoy and hope you subscribe, whether it's on Apple, Patreon, Spotify, iHeartMedia, or iHeartRadio is what we're on there. It's, it's a good time. So hope you enjoy this. Here's my conversation with Kathy Rudolph. But first, how about a couple of uh, zingers from Paul Lynn's appearances on Hollywood Squares? The one and only Paul Lynn. The one and only Mr. Only. True or false? Some airlines now give you a thorough frisking before permitting you to board the plane. That's the only reason I fly. (laughs) Gene Kelly said recently, I'll be pleased if it comes back. It's really a form of courtship. What was he referring to? Oh, his hair. (laughs) According to Reverend Billy Graham, there is a price to be paid for every miracle and blessing we receive. And the minimum requirement is what? Five, ten dollars. <laughs> Hello, everybody. It's Tony Mazur. It's the Check Your Brain podcast here. Thank you for subscribing, whether you're on Apple, whether you're on Spotify or any of the other platforms, including my Patreon. Make sure you sign up for my Patreon for a lot of my usual nonsense. But this is not nonsense. We're going to talk about somebody who is a... Uh, it, it, well, I'm, I'm going to talk to somebody who actually got to know the central character of this podcast, the central motif. And uh, for folks who know me, I'm a big Paul Lind fan. I've been uh, a fan of his for so many years, and I I belong to all these Facebook groups, too, that just every day that there's another uh, cameo of Paul Lind on this show, and he's on, oh, he's here with the Osmonds. He has his own show, and there's Hollywood Squares. And then every so often on my Facebook algorithm, it pops up, and funniest Paul Lind lines on Hollywood Squares, and all 
these other things that have popped up in the last, you know, however many years that I've been a fan of his. Well, this individual I will be speaking to actually wrote a book about her friendship and her relationship with Paul Lind in his later days. And the book is called Paul Lind, A Biography, His Life, His Loves, and His Laughter. And Kathy Rudolph has joined me. And uh, Kathy, I got to talk to you a couple of years ago, and I wanted to do an updated version. And this is actually coming out because I, I, I do want to talk about the Halloween special because I wanted to put this out before Halloween. But Kathy, good to talk to you again. And uh, uh, how's, how's everything been with the book in the last couple of years? It's incredible. That book has just gained more and more momentum, got a lot of uh, new interviews, radio shows. Australia had me on their TV uh, Today Show. I mean, it's just it's 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 a wonderful tribute to Paul. And I wrote it as a kind of a thank you and to let people know both sides of Paul. And, you know, he had a the newspaper had a field day, you know, and so did other people, you know, talking about his demon side you know when he drank he was not a very nice person to many people but there was a wonderful side to him and that i think most of his fans wanted to know that like oh my gosh you know i read after someone will you know kind of bash him about he was nasty in this yes he could be like that but he could also be very gracious loved all his fans very loyal to them and i tried to show the whole picture of paul and the good the bad the funny in one book about his life from his childhood till he passed away sadly at the young age of 55 but also to show the relationship he had with me which showed he had a really open heart about people who will look up to him i think yeah, and your uh, and your book is really good because uh, I I got a copy of it I read it it was great and Thank like you. you like you said that the book shows everything. So if you heard the salacious details, you're like, yep, and here's some of them. Uh, if you heard the good side and that he was helping a charity or whatever the case is, here's that side. You're not like one of those puff piece uh, 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 like history channel type of things where you only showcase one side of it is you really c- captured everything from the moment and and uh, you know when I last talked to you a couple of years ago I was saying that I really am I think I see so I was like maybe 60 miles away from where Paul Lind is buried and yes I've been there a couple of times to Amity Cemetery in Mount Vernon, Ohio. It's uh, not exactly accessible. I mean, it's accessible, but uh, if you're driving in Ohio, it's not really the place that you you get off in Mount Vernon because you know somebody who lives in Mount Vernon. There's not a lot of people who are going to be like, okay, here's our itinerary today. We're going from <laughs> Cleveland to Cincinnati, but we need to stop off. You need to have a reason, and my reason was justified. It was to go see the Lind plot in Amity Cemetery. I hope to get there one day myself. I, I do. This is kind of kind of creepy, and this thing in my family is that my mom. We've we've done this uh, where we've gone to cemeteries, and it's a little odd. My my mom did etchings growing up, and going okay. into different cemeteries. So we go up to the uh, the headstones, and we did try to find Al Capone's vault back in Chicago one time, and I've done wow. that a couple of times. I wanted to take my wife one day when we were in Buffalo to go see Rick James was buried up there. Uh, in a couple of weeks, I'll be in 
Lexington, Kentucky. And another guest who also had a book on the podcast, uh, Justin Lloyd, his uncle was Jim Varney. And like, oh yeah, if I'm going to be in Lexington, I got to go see, I got to pay my respects to Jim Varney. So I've done that. It's on my Facebook page. I think I've even tagged you in there where I've gone several times to go see Paul Lend. And so, yeah, definitely come on by. I mean, again, not, not the main reason to come to Ohio for a lot of people, but it's definitely worth going to check out. I've had some readers that have contacted me say I'm going to his cemetery and then I would mail him this postcard of my book and that person would be kind enough to go there and put it on his grave for me because I'm pretty far I'm in New York area so they did that for me I thought that was sweet well let's let's talk a little bit about Paul because it, a lot of us know some of the some of the details and we were a fan of his if you're li- especially if you're listening to this then you're definitely a Paul Lynn fan and it's gone back from whether your mom was watching Hollywood Squares growing up or you were watching it when you were grown and you were just a fan or you go on YouTube and check it out nowadays uh, Paul was from Ohio and talk about how really his upbringing and a lot of tragedy played into the role of why he became as funny as he really was, but also as troubled as he was. Well, he was a uh, one of several kids. He had five brothers and sisters, and he always felt like they all were more important than him for whatever reason. That's how he kind of thought of himself. As he got older, I'm talking like 10 years old, uh, he had his appendix burst and then he had to be bedridden, I think, for about a year. And his mother kept feeding him. By the time he was ready to get out of bed, he was 100 pounds overweight already, uh, a little chubby when he started. And now he couldn't even walk. So I, a little bit of bullying. He said he always said it wasn't a lot. But, I, you know, you wonder. But as time went on, he had this uh, way of getting people not to make fun of him because he knew he was, I mean, he, he was like 200 pounds or something in, in a very young age. And he started using his wit and he made people laugh and he was popular in school. And as time went on, uh, he wanted to, uh, you know, when he was five years old, he saw a movie, said, I want to be rich and famous. And by the time he graduated college, now before he went to college, rather, he talked his mother into letting him go to North uh, Western for acting. His father was against it, but he still went, and they agreed finally to let him go do his thing. And he was so popular, him and Charlotte uh, Ray, who was uh, Lebowski at the time, it was Lyndon Lebowski, kind of overrun the whole, they had the uh, WAMU, uh, Women and Men's uh, University that they did off, uh, off campus. And they became so popular. And Paul said he got the Best Actor of Award, you know, and then he moved to New York, and here he thought he's going to do fantastic. Well, that took years of selling his blood and being very poor, and then his father died, his mother died, his brother died, and then he was broke on his own. So another, it took him nine more years till he got the part in Bye Bye Birdie, which really launched his career. That took him nine years from the day he graduated. So that's a long time to wait to become even noticed. I mean, he didn't become, you know, number one box office hit, but he got noticed. And, he and got, that's where. And he was part of that group that was, like you mentioned about Charlotte Ray. You had Charlotte Ray. Uh-huh. Uh, wasn't Phyllis well, Diller a part of it? And Kay Ballard? Uh, Cloris Leachman. Yeah, Cloris Leachman. Yeah, it, it, that was an incredible group that he was a part of. And they were all very it, talented. They were Cloris because I, I spoke to her, 
you know, before she passed away when we did the book. And she just says, you know, they weren't like wannabes. She goes, we all knew we were, we were going to do something. We knew we would make it. They just knew it. And they all did. Paul was the last to make it. But they all did well. Kate Ballard, the whole bit, the whole crew. Well, he made it big on Bye Bye Birdie, but wasn't he a central figure in that? Was it, I, I'm blanking on the year, but was it New Faces of 52? Yes. That's where he first got noticed, and he got written up in the paper. And he, it was very quiet after that. I think he went on one or two small parts, bits, parts on a show, did a couple of night, which he hated doing stand-up. He hated it. Um, that was it. It was quiet again, and he was barely making it. And then, you know, Bye Bye Birdie did, you know, it's so funny because they that part was originally nine lines. That was it. Paul was so angry, but he really had nothing else. Even though he was angry, he ended up taking it because uh, Gower Champion convinced him, please, I promise this part will grow and it'll be tailored to you, like his personality. And they let him, and he took over the Broadway show. He had more of a presence than the film. The film is good. I do like the film, but Paul didn't like it. And, you know, they took away a lot of his stuff by the time the film came, but he was still great in it. So people still liked him in that. And then, of course, you know, as you know, he won a Bewitched and Bob Hope and Hollywood Palace, Red Button Show, uh, Ed Sullivan, Farmer's Daughter. I mean, talking old, old shows, you know, Mother is Engaged, Stop, Thief, Stop. He's on everything. And then to this day, we watch him on Bewitched, Uncle Arthur. But he was on everything, uh... <coughs> Any every variety show there was Martha Ray, Andy Williams, Patty Duke show, Henry Fonda and the family he was on. I mean, it, his career was unbelievable. But it, it, and and I, we'll get into some of the more I guess negative aspects of his personality and what drove him in that uh, that direction. But I, I was listening to an interview with somebody who was uh, I think it was Bruce Valanche was talking about it. And the one thing that it, it, the reason I'm mentioning this is because you said that Paul hated doing stand-up, and one of the big things with stand-up comedy, uh, especially nowadays, it wasn't like that at the time. But if you had a really good performer, you had a series of writers underneath you. Nowadays, because I'm somebody I do stand-up, and I don't have writers, and I don't want writers. I want if it's going to come out of my mouth and I'm going to be on stage, it's because it came from whatever twisted things that were rattling around in my head. But Paul. Paul was somebody that he was not necessarily. Uh, this is what Bruce, according to Bruce Valanche, Paul was not necessarily a creator in that he wasn't a producer, he wasn't a director, he wasn't a writer. He was a performer, and that gets you so far. So when you start to see that all of your contemporaries have the, uh, like a lot of things going for them, and you realize so like, why is Woody Allen getting this? Why is so and so? And mm -hmm. uh, when that ends up happening, you get jealous. And I guess the response was, well, it's because Mel Brooks actually writes his stuff and you just perform. You're, you're performing lines. Even on Hollywood Squares, as funny as those lines were, he didn't write those lines. He was just reading lines that somebody wrote for him. And I, I guess that kind of contributed a lot of that to why he did so well on the talk show circuit and everything and the, and the game shows and everything else. But he wasn't necessarily a, what we know by today's standards is a stand-up comedian exactly and he wouldn't do it he did it once or twice years ago he hated it and he said he couldn't afford writers and he didn't feel his material was good even though he actually wrote the uh, african monologue which got him noticed for new faces of 52 that was all him then he did a very strange album in the 60s and it was really off the wall stuff <laughs> today it's funnier 
because people would accept it more. But it's d very dark. It's very dark humor. Um, and that bomb, that didn't do well either. But again, that was his humor. And he knew it wasn't going anywhere. So again, as time went on, his niche was write the lines. He'll do the best delivery that anybody could do. I think his timing was the best. And uh, his voice, the nasally funny voice, put that together. You've got everybody falling on the floor laughing when he says even one word. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it that's what was so great about it because it was very – it was eccentric. And, I, I, you know, in the 1960s, the word gay wasn't being thrown around a lot. It was, oh, he's, he's different. He's quirky. He's eccentric. He's, you, you would have all these things were alluding to the fact that who he was. But uh, it's funny because my, my wife, who's kind of – like she's – watching like whenever i put these old shows on she's starting to under like pick up on different things uh, that i do uh and i do the paul my paul lind impression every so often and then i would do an impression of charles nelson riley and she'd be like well wait a second that's this almost the same voice i'm like yeah because they there it was very similar in those days that they had that nasally kind of higher pitch voice and the cadence that's the reason it was so funny and actually that's why the i you know, Hollywood, this is why I watch old Hollywood stuff, because it just was much more interesting. It was funny. And this was kind of a part of it was that you had different cadences and different voices. And it just it really like like if you if you just delivered with a straight uh, delivery, those lines wouldn't be as funny unless somebody like a Paul Lind or a Charles Nelson Riley or, or a Rip Taylor was saying them. True. Very true. Now, uh, well, I, I got to ask uh and I asked you this the first time, but I, I have to ask again. Who, who was the originator of that persona? Was it Alice Ghostly or was it Paul Lind? <laughs> oh, I think they both stole a little from each other. I watch, if you watch, if you go to YouTube, you'll see the skits from uh, uh, New Faces of 52. And it's Alice Ghostly and Paul Lind playing husband and wife back in the 60s. And... I found his voice not as shaky as Alice Ghostly's. So I thought she had a little bit more emphasis on that shaky voice type. And he did good too, but I think later on he learned or realized if he puts a little bit more of that shakiness, it'll be funnier. So, you know, I, lo I look at that every now and then and I'm tossed between them. So, you know, they were similar anyway. Uh, she was from Oklahoma, he was from Ohio, but they had that, I guess it's a western twang or whatever to begin with, and then they both were a little nasally voice, and they just, I don't know if they took from each other, who knows, but they were both, to this, before he passed away, they were still very good friends, like there was no jealousy between them, they actually uh, complimented each other. Oh yeah, and it, 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 that voice is just, it's instinctively funny that when you you know that that voice when you hear it it's un you know you can't think of anything that's like it and I, I think it's kind of missing in uh, today's uh, uh, media that we ended up having right now uh, since we're doing this before Halloween I, I, we got to talk about the Paul Lind Halloween special but I want to lead up to that by talking about how after Bye Bye Birdie and Bewitched, he's now on Hollywood Squares. He's just, he's the center square. He's being uh, equally billed with Peter Marshall on, uh, uh, you know, a Marquise in Las Vegas when they were doing their uh, live versions of it. it. That he was that popular. But 
kind of like there are certain comedians I think nowadays that are fall into this uh, boat, and we just lost them uh, not long ago. But I thought Norm Macdonald was one of them where. They were t- very talented, but Hollywood did not know what to do with him. That yeah, it just seemed like he, he was true. a he was a really funny guy. They tried different vehicles. They tried talk shows. They tried him on TV shows and movies, and it just there wasn't a medium that truly fit Norm Macdonald, in my opinion. I think there's a lot of uh, comedians and actors who are kind of like that nowadays too. But Paul was in that situation where he was so popular, you had to get him on TV in some way, shape, or form. But every time they gave him his own show, they gave him the keys, it just didn't work out. And the the one things that the things that really did work out were him being uh, kind of a, a a sidebar member of the Donnie and Marie show and all these other kind of variety mm-hmm. shows. But mm-hmm. in Paul's mind, he wanted to be the star. And that's what led up into something like those specials, like the Holly Halloween special. Oh yeah. And then when he had his own show, Paul and Joe, he was ecstatic, but that didn't last either. It's too much. I don't know if the writers knew how, if they had done the show, I think more serious and let Paul be more serious than every other line to be funny. I think it could have worked because I watched that now recently, and I their lines are really some of them are really funny. Some of the writers on them, some of them are hilarious. Even for uh, um, Elizabeth Allen, who played his wife, she had some great lines too. But it was just too much, like trying to be funny every line. It's that's what I think kind of ruined it. Even Paul, he doesn't have to keep talking. He had a natural voice when he called me on the phone and we spoke. He didn't put on that voice. He had a different voice. Um, it's the same voice, but it's just not exaggerated. It's a, it's a character is what he's doing. Yeah, he's putting it on. And, and you know, if we were making a joke uh, during our conversation, it might come out once, but hardly ever. I mean, he just spoke naturally. And if they had done that, I think it would have worked better. I don't know. So, it, well, and that's, well... Because when you had that TV show and uh, the ratings for it the first week were huge because, again, it's everybody loved Paul Lynn. But realizing that it just it was an odd fit where he's he's like a husband and a father. And I think even by those standards in those days, people are like, I I can't see Paul Lynn being a father. Are you kidding me? (laughs) You know, he took the advice of Lucille Ball, which Lucille wasn't thinking about Paul. She was just like she was he was trying to decide what should he do when he asked her. And she said, well. You know, she had a big hit. As we all know, I Love Lucy. My goodness, that went on and on and on. It was great. It's one of the greatest shows ever. But she's, you know, she said it was a family show. So she tried to get Paul. She said, oh, family show work. Not realizing you're talking about Paul Lynn being a father again. He's a father in Bye Bye Birdie. In a, but he was a funny, freaky father. Like, nobody had a father like that. Yeah. <laughs> God, it was so funny. But here he's trying to be you know, an attorney and he comes home to, it's just, I don't know why, I don't know if she got it, but anyway, he went with the family show and it didn't last. But they also, in fairness to Paul, they put that show up against Cher, Sonny and Cher, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think they even had it against the Carol Burnett show. You can't take these huge, giant, already wonderful shows that already have their fixed audience and then try to slide in, pull in, you know, put them in something less, popular at least i don't know that's you know paul paul mentioned that a few times that it was put up against other shows but 
if he said he didn't like it as much, but I know he loved having his name on a show. It's a shame, because, but it's still funny to this day. I'm telling you, I think more people will like it today than they did back then. Didn't they put it on MeTV briefly? Like, they, they put it in some uh, slight rotation? I watched it on Antenna TV, Antenna and I think TV. two or three years ago on New Year's Eve, they did an entire marathon of the Poland show, and we all watched it. I had friends and family here, uh, you know, all night from 6 o'clock at night past midnight. It was great. So the, so the Paul Lind Halloween special, when we're, I'm posting this on the 27th of October, and the 29th is the anniversary. It's the 45th anniversary of the Paul Lind Halloween special. And, you know, this wow. is, uh, I, I urge everybody who's listening to this to go check this out, watch this special, and lower your expectations, first of all, because understand, in those days, on those specials, yes, there's song and dance, and there's a lot of variety, but remember, you had three channels, and you there were these were song and dance people also that were kind of raised in around the golden age of Hollywood where mm-hmm. like the, even the Star Wars Halloween or Star Wars Christmas special the people have lampooned and uh, George Lucas has tried to bury for so many years because there's a scene with uh, I think uh, B Arthur is doing a thing and, uh, and and singing and dancing and I'm like understand that it's the mid 70s it's a very popular movie that they're doing this version of understand that there's going to be a little bit it's kind of like american idol or america's got talent of the 1970s so exactly it's there's you there's humor it, exactly there's me- how i think of it yeah there's humor there's music there's sketches uh they break into different things and you know for for god's sake i mean look at the list of people who are on there you got paul lind you have margaret hamilton and billy hayes who we just lost uh that were uh, just you know, it was, I think it was the last time Margaret Hamilton ever put the makeup on. Uh, Billy yeah, the Party. Wicked Witch of the West and the HR Puff and stuff from that was they were both popular witches. They were so cool. Oh yeah, Jim Conway, Pink Tuscarello, Betty White, Donnie and Marie, Florence Henderson, Kiss. They had that band. I think it was the first time they were ever seen on TV. They had millions of fans. They've never seen them. Now they're on there with the makeup and the tall platform boots. Kids got to see them. I think forever. That group Kiss is now will always be associated with Halloween because they appeared on the Paul Lynn Halloween special. So give it a lot of credit. People, you like uh, song and dance. You you may not, but you got Florence Henderson singing the old Black Magic. I mean, I put it on not too long ago for my dad. And when I got to that part, I was going to fast forward to Paul Lynn because everybody knows I just want to see Paul Lynn. My father's like, wait, stop. I want to watch the whole thing. Like, he's now my dad's 90. God bless him. So he still enjoyed it, and he wanted to see all the skits. I mean, there's a silly skit with Tim Conway and Paul Lynn as a trucker, and they're fighting over Pinky Tuscarella. <laughs> yeah, they're doing like a rhinestone cowboy oh, type of thing. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my. That, when, that part, I was like, that, that was... That was scary. Yeah, that's it, <laughs> that was the scariest part of the show. <laughs> oh my goodness! It's it's so funny because it opens with it's Paul being silly and go, all these different holidays, and he's like happy, happy Easter, everybody, Merry oh, Christmas, good. and then uh, <laughs> Margaret Hamilton has to keep saying, "Paul Lind, I've worked with you for several years, and." Every year you forget which holiday it is, and it's like, and he's just doing all these, it's typical goofy Paul Lind, and it's clearly just, it's well-written perfectly for him. So if you look at it through the lens of somebody who is a fan of Hollywood Squares and fan of uh, what he was able to do, it's just, it's... 
it's hysterical. But it's hysterical because of the campiness, too. The, the, you're not yes. looking at special effects. I mean, the, the biggest special effects is that they're in this mansion with Kiss. And I thought their stage was beautiful. The, the, I thought the haunted house was cool. For back then, I thought their special effects were great with Kiss coming out with the smoke and fire. I, I thought it was really actually a, a pretty good whoever did the uh, scenery for that I, special effects. I thought I thought it was pretty good for that back then. Now I watch it looking like oh we that was done pretty well because you know yeah for was... for those days because of just ha- I mean when Donnie and Marie also did a similar one with a Star Wars special it's so like I think uh, oh my goodness that's funny and Paul ends in that of course as oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> one of the mean. Uh, head of the ranks i don't i forget what he plays but he's walking around with the big uh, monkey the wookie the oh yeah chewbacca <laughs> yeah chewbacca thank you it, it's so funny but, because and then also there's a lot of it has a sid and marty croft connection too because a lot of those performers not only were part of the donnie and marie uh ensemble but they were also big sid and marty croft people that the hr puff and stuff and you know billy barty was in a bunch of them and of course uh billy hayes was witchy poo uh it's it just there was a clear uh connection there and it's it's honestly it's wonderful but I, I urge everybody to go check it out, but it's not probably it's probably not going to be for everybody. <laughs> well, you know, I th- I think young kids might like it with the witches and the kiss fan. I you know if you could cut out some of the silly parts and just show them that. Well, these days you can do that with a DVD, uh, fast forward remote or something. But I think that uh, some people would still like it. Matter of fact, maybe I'll try it on one of my young nieces and see if what they think and get their opinion because. I think so. If it's still entertaining for kids as well as for adults, there's no doubt. I hope so. And uh, yeah, so go check that out. 45 years this week, uh, as this is going to be uh, posted here, the Paul Lind Halloween special. It's it's a tradition in my house, whether Me too. anybody likes it or not. So, uh, with this book, you got a chance to get to know Paul, and uh, you know, just a lot of conversation with him, whether it was over the phone or, or letters. You did get a chance to meet him, which is a great story that you have about being at the hotel. And um, it, it uh, just, I guess, talk about first of all how you're a young girl in the 1970s, and you're in love with, and infatuated with Paul Lind on television to the point where, if even back in those days, people have Twitter accounts now where if you have your favorite celebrity, you could go on Instagram or Twitter and say, I'm a big fan of yours. And there's a remote possibility that that person will respond and say, hey, thanks for being a fan. But that's what happened with you with Paul Lind back in the day. I found his home phone number in a library book while I'm doing research on him, called him up, and he couldn't believe a fan found his phone number. It's all in the book. I'll make it real short. I convinced him to meet me in New York City. Hotel's on fire. We do end up meeting. It was supposed to be just for a picture and autograph. That's all. We turned out sitting there chatting for two and a half hours. Next thing I know, he's inviting me to his home in California. I go to Vegas. Not Vegas, uh, Los Angeles. Uh, I went to his house in Beverly Hills, has a limo, takes me out, and we have a friendship until he passed away. So I do put that in the book because that shows a whole different side of Poland that a lot of people didn't get to know. I mean, his close, his close friends saw that, but with me, it was a very endearing, uh, very magical. If, let me tell you, if you think you could ever meet your idol, which is one in a you know a zillion chances, but then in my case, not only meet him, but then be his friend, go to his home, and then hang out with him, and then have a conversation uh, every Christmas Eve. He'd call. It was a beautiful, 
I am I miss him very much, but he was a lot of fun and he was very important to me in my life. So I I hope he likes the book as much as everybody else does because I think it was a fair written book and I think he would have wanted it fair. A lot I hope of everybody your, reads it and likes it. A lot of your stories because I guess what prompted you to write the book was it just that you had a lot of this uh, the backup because of of these notes and stories that you have had, uh, and also was it the fact that towards the end of his life and after he had passed away, there were a lot of stories. There was the incident, I think it was like a Burger King outside of Northwestern, where there was a possible alleged racial incident that happened. Oh, there was a real, it wasn't alleged, Paul, Paul opened his big mouth. Yeah, he did. <laughs> oh, why did I do it? Well, I kept my diary from when I was 10 years old. I've always written, and I had every detail of Every time I was with Paul or we spoke, I had, I said, you know what, I got to write. It was going to be an article for People Magazine or somebody I was going to reach out to. And then I don't know what happened. I decided, you know what, let me do his whole life story because I got in touch with his family, his uh, living relatives, the estate, which I'm still friends with to this day. And um, they liked it. They were okay with it. And the next thing you know, I reached out to Peter Marshall. He gave me a forward I got the next person gave me Florence Henderson's number, then Kay Powers. Everybody loved what I was doing. Cheetah Rivera from Bible. I'm telling you the. So I have all their interviews in the book, and it ended up with his life story from birth till you know his last days with us. Yeah, so, it, and I, and I know we I gotta let you go because I know you're on the run and everything. But uh, uh, it, it's Paul Lind, a biography, his uh, life, his loves, and his laughter. Go check that out. It's by Kathy Rudolph, who's been here, and uh, you know it's it, it's coming up on 40 years without Paul Lind and. The amount of people, whether it's me doing my silly impression of Paul Land or the YouTube, uh, pretty good. <laughs> it's millions of people who are on YouTube checking this out. Seth MacFarlane on Family Guy, or well, he's done the. Um, I think he did the. He actually did a Harry McAfee on which it was yes, Paul's he did. Dog. I've seen it. Sure. He he sure. did a, he did a thing where he was like a politician going, "Hi, Harry McAfee here," and I'm like, <laughs> people don't know who Harry, right. Harry McAfee was. Paul Lynn's dog. That's, now, that's deep trivia that they put in a Family Guy episode to the point where he even used that voice for Roger on the sister show American Dad. And that's his legacy, right. 40 years later, do you yep. do you think, Paul, the, like, the fact that we're still talking about him four decades later after he had passed away, do you think this is part of the legacy that he would have loved? He would never believe it in a zillion years. He'd be shocked, but he'd be so flattered and he'd be so happy. I know he would never think that this would still be. Paul is an icon. He he didn't feel like one when he was here, and his personality and all his talent is still with us, still appreciated, and still one of a kind. Yeah, for somebody that in his final years had obviously the the troubles with alcohol and uh, you know, like we mentioned the the incident at the Burger King and the uh, some of the other things that have happened, he wouldn't think he was a star. But the fact that we're still talking about him all these years later and talking about the special and uh, everything he's been in from Bye Bye Birdie all the way up until he passed away, and, and the tributes to him and uh, the biographies and everything, the fact that we're still doing this is just kind of amazing because he probably didn't feel like he thought he was one of the contemporaries like the like the Phyllis Dillers and like the Charlotte Rays mm -hmm. who were mm -hmm. all over television basically the rest of their lives, and Paul's there just as this character as a clown but 
We like clowns. We as people do appreciate, and we don't say clown in a negative. It's a positive for somebody like that because, hey, every so often you need somebody that is just kind of break up the tension, and Paul was that kind of guy. Oh, absolutely. If you had a bad day at work or, or you're dealing with what we're dealing with now, just put him on for a few minutes and it's going to make your troubles go away. Just listening to him and laughing because that's what he does. That was his talent to us. Well, God rest his soul. Well, Kathy, thanks so much for doing this again. And again, good luck going forward with the book. Uh, it, it's still going to be out there. It's not one of these timely books that if you don't get no, it now. No, it's on Amazon doing fantastic. It's the only place you can get it now. I sold out of my own books, but everybody can get it on Amazon and enjoy it. And uh Say hi if you like it. I'm on Facebook, Paul Linda Biography. You can check it out if anybody wants and, to say hello. And are you going to be at any uh, upcoming conventions? I saw you were at that I one. I just did one. Yes, I just did one. And I have something else in the works for the near future. Nothing's definite because of everything going on. But, you know, I'll keep you posted. So go check, go check Kathy Rudolph on Facebook as well, and because uh, uh, you post a lot about whether people are talking about Paul or some of the conventions and book signings that you're you are doing. So yep, I do that under Paul Linda biography. You got to do Paul and colon. I should change that, but you got to do that. But there's a <laughs> lot of followers on there. Come say hello if you want. If you're a Paul and fan, love some fun stuff well thanks again kathy and uh my pleasure tony nice talking to you stay yeah. safe out there be good 